A good haircut can be a game changer. I mean, everybody wants to look their best for those social media pics, right? So get yourself to Sport Clips at Sport Clips Haircuts. They hair do like no one else hair does. See what they did there? Not only is it the home of champion haircuts, but they've also made relaxing and unwinding the name of the game. Level up your haircut with the MVP haircut experience. It's a spa day for your follicles. Check this out. You get a seven pressure point massaging shampoo along with a perfectly steamed hot towel all while sports plays on the TV. Does it get any better than that? No. You can want it all and have it all at Sport Clips. It's a game changer. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates, national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. The Jericho Network on Westwood One. All right, welcome to Talk is Jericho. This week, 70s, 80s, 90s icon Scott Baio here on Talk is Jericho. It's true. Chachi from Happy Days. Charles from Charles in Charge. Bob Loblaw from Arrested Development, one of the best names of all time. How about this one? Barney Springboro from Zapped. Haven't heard of Zapped? Vaguely remember Zapped? Trust me, you need to Netflix it. It's a classic movie. One of Eli Roth's favorites. One of my favorites. And you'll hear why coming up. Scott Baio here talking about his incredible 40-year-plus career in show business. We're going to find out all the inside scoops from Scott. Talk is Jericho, baby. Talk is Jericho. Talk is Jericho, mama. Talk is me. Welcome to Talk is Jericho. It's the pod of thunder and rock and roll. The remedy for boredom has arrived. The people's podcast is here. Let's go for a ride. You lucky you got away with just a scratch, sucker. Somebody's gonna get their ass kicked. Somebody's gonna get their wig split. Somebody's gonna get their ass kicked. Somebody's gonna get their wig split. Beat him up, beat him up, break his neck. Beat him up, beat him up, break his neck. Break his neck, beat him up, beat him up, break his neck. Beat him up, beat him up, break his neck. Can you dig it? Neck. Don't jive me. Neck. That is unbelievable, man. Neck. Love that theme. Today's show's got nothing to do with Mark Henry, but everything to do with Scott Bale. Talk about longevity in Hollywood, man. He wrote the book on longevity. He went from Happy Days to Joni Loves Chachi to Charles in Charge to Diagnosis Murder to Arrested Development to Scott Bale's 45 and Single to his most recent sitcom on Nickelodeon, Sea Dad Run. I mean, that's like 10 careers rolled up in one. He's got stories about all of them, including the ton of movies he made. Uh, including one of my favorites, Zapped. I love Zapped. Willie Ames and Scott Bayo playing uh, uh, kids that have, teenagers that have the power to take chicks' clothes off with their mind. What more do you want in a teenage movie, right? We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about all the great sitcoms he's been in. Speaking of sitcoms, if you're looking for a great laugh, check out my Comedy Central digital series, Nothing to Report. Thanks to you guys. We're way past a million views. The more you watch, 
the more chance we have of doing more of these, maybe doing a pilot, maybe even taking it straight to series, which would be amazeballs. Go check it out on YouTube. Nothing to report. Five bite-sized, actually six bite-sized nuggets, five minutes each, and the laughs and hilarity ensue. Go check it out. Let me know what you think about that. It's a great, great experience. And talking about a great, great experience, I had an amazing experience this weekend uh, working the WWE Y2J Summer Tour when I did a show in Boston at the uh, TD Garden Center, which was the highest-grossing Boston live event of all time, the highest-grossing live event in Boston ever which is crazy. Um, it means that there's the most people paid the most amount of money for tickets, most profitable house show live event in WWE history in Boston. And uh, then also had a great time last night in Reading, which was a sizably smaller audience, but still loud, still proud, still great. And the cool thing was I showed up in Boston and I've been working with Luke Harper pretty much exclusively uh, over the last few months, the last of the Y2J winter tour and then the Y2J summer tour. And Harper's amazing. And if it wasn't work with Harper, I work with Cesaro. And we have it down pat. We've got our set list, sort of, so to speak, done. We've got our um, our match down. And it's good. You show up. You kill it. It's great. But it was fun to show up in Boston. And I had a tag team match of me and Dolph Ziggler, Zigico, as I like to call it, uh, versus Sheamus and Wade Barrett. So it was cool to have a tag team match, which are always fun and always easy, against some different guys. Uh, haven't worked with Barrett ever, maybe a long time ago, once or twice on TV for a short period of time. Had a lot of matches with Sheamus. He's obviously a great competitor, a lot of fun to work with. And Ziggler and I uh, had a record of zero and I think three as a tag team because we had tagged his heels before and never won a match. We couldn't get it together. But Ziggico did win the match uh, this week and had a, had a great time in front of the Boston crowd. And it was such a loaded show. It was like a WrestleMania uh, level show with 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 Zigico versus uh, actually I was calling him the Commonwealth, uh, well the C word <laughs> that rhymes with runs, the Commonwealth runs uh, transfer the R to a C, uh, the, the the Commonwealth runs versus Zigico was one of the main events. Then you had Kevin Owens versus Cena, another main event which was huge, main event anywhere in the country. Then it was uh, Rollins and Ambrose in a cage. Wyatt versus Reigns. I mean, you had some pretty big matches, but the biggest one of all that wasn't even a match is when I walked into the building and someone said, oh, yeah, The Rock is here. And I was like, I thought they said Brock. I said, Brock? No, The Rock. What's The Rock doing here? Well, he's filming Central Intelligence right now with Kevin Hart in Boston. So I guess he was able to work it out where he's going to come down to the arena. And once again, this is, this is the reason why you should always go to your live events because you never you're gonna know what you're going to see. I mean, obviously, everybody that listens to Talk is Jericho knew that I was going to be in Boston. But a lot of people don't listen to, to, to Talk is Jericho, which they should be hung, drawn, and quartered for not listening to the show. But when I came out, whenever I come out on the live events, no matter how much I tweet it and how much I talk about it, it's still a surprise to some. So they see Chris Jericho, and then you know, two matches later, out comes The Rock. And that's what you get when you go to a WWE live event. You just never know what's going to happen. You have to expect the unexpected. So it was cool for me. I didn't even know The Rock was going to be there, and it was... Um, you know, was, I hadn't talked to him for a while. Every time he was there, I was always doing something else, and he was doing something else. And, you know, we were really, really close friends and, and rivals back in the early 2000s. So I wanted to get a chance to talk to him this time. So I actually uh, walked down the hallway, and there was a private room, Do Not Disturb. And uh, you know, there's a security guard sitting outside of the door, his personal security guard. I'm like, is rocking? He goes, oh, yeah, but uh, I'm not sure. And, of course, I knock on the door and just walk in, and I go, 
get ready to bleep this, Stacy. I go, hey, it's face in here. Because we used to laugh at how stupid of a, of a name that was. And I announced myself uh, with that question. Of course, I walk in and his daughter's sitting there, his 13-year-old daughter. His girlfriend's there. And he's like, oh, way to introduce yourself in front of my daughter. And my girlfriend's like, oh, sorry. So anyways, it was cool to see him. We hung out there for about half an hour just talking about all the stuff that we've been doing and kind of all the ups and downs and all the things that have been going on, all the cool experiences that we both had. And it was really fun to kind of reconnect and, and, and catch up. You know, Rock is a, is a great guy. And he's top of the ladder. You know, one of the biggest stars in Hollywood for so many reasons. And one of those reasons is his work ethic. And he's the same. I mean, he's always had that side of him that's a little bit arrogant, but that's the rock. He's always had the side of him that's super friendly. That's the rock. And he's always had the loyal side to him as well. So, And we were laughing um, about how in Boston was where, you know, just across the way from where his dressing room was is where we did the dueling promos. Have you ever seen that famous promo, Rock versus Jericho? We were... Um, using each other's catchphrases. I was like, you know, if you smell what the rock is cooking, what do you mean? If you, what, are you, what are you cooking? Fig Newtons? You know, whatever I said, something like that. And he said something about, you know, the, the Uncle Jimmy Jack Jericho with the glass eye and, and Jezebel Jericho with the granny panties on and, you know, never ever again is what he said. And I said, you know, if you smell LLLL what the Jericho is cooking. And it's, it was actually a really, really classic bit. I think it's up on YouTube now. When I did the Michelle Beadle podcast, she said it was up there. I think it's done like you know three, four, five million views, just that clip. But it's funny, like right here is where it happened. This is where we actually sat down and came up with the dueling promos, the dueling catchphrase, sorry, the dueling catchphrase promos, what we called it. And then um, we transferred over to when we first started working. And when I first came to the WWE, nobody liked me, except for The Rock. He was always really cool, really nice to me. He was the kind of the first kind of bigger name guy that I worked with a few times. And we used to fight through the crowd. And you would just grab anything that you could find in the crowd, a glass of beer, and just throw it in the guy's face. You know, if someone had a, a soda, you'd take the top off and throw it in their face. So, you know, in, when in Rome, we're trying to fit in, be a top guy, heel, I'm fighting rock in the crowd, and I grab a, a cup and I throw it in his face. But it's not beer. It's not soda. It's not coffee. It's chewing tobacco spit. <laughs> yeah. So that goes in his face, and man, you know how bad that smells. It just stinks, and it reeks, and it's just like, oh. And I'm trying to make a name for myself, trying to do the best I can to be somebody, and I've just thrown this cup of spit into the top guy's face. It was just like such a rookie mistake to not look what I had thrown. And he was just like, he couldn't see. He's like literally, honestly blinded. And it was just like so awful where it was just, oh, I'm so sorry, man. really not this much of a jerk. Please, I'm sorry. And I remember he was in the back. You know, he was really cool about it, but he took a shower for like an hour, I think, after that. But, um, you know, good times with The Rock. And then he went out there with Bo Dallas. And Bo Dallas did a great job, by the way. That guy can cut a really good promo. He's learning still. But, uh, you know, I just gave him some pointers, pointers on how to get out of that goofy stage. He's got a goofy gimmick, but you can be serious, too. And then The Rock came out there and just, you know, does what The Rock does. The, you know, one of the best promos of all time. And you, know, you want to rhyme with The Rock? Well, you're standing in the ring and your promos are heinous and you should leave right now before I stick my boot up your anus. I mean, right? I mean, classic stuff. So great to see The Rock and great surprise. I actually periscoped The Rock coming to the ring. I said, here's a surprise, guys. And I periscoped Bo Dallas in the ring. And people are like, get him out of here. Go go beat him up, Jericho. And then if you smell what The Rock is cooking, the music plays. And everybody in the place just stood up going nuts. And the periscope actually froze. It broke. So many people were catching on to it. 
that uh, it actually shut it down. So that's another thing. You guys follow me on Twitter. You follow me on Instagram. You follow me on Facebook. You follow me on Talk is Jericho. Now you can go follow me on Periscope as well because you never know what kind of surprises I'm going to uh, let you guys see. And as the last kind of uh, tagline of this, Boston, as I was walking up to the ring, I saw Cena, and I was like, here's, here's the place where we did the, the slap heard around the world. And that was when I first started working with Cena. When he first came in the company, he was supposed to slap me in the face. And we were in the dressing room in Boston, and we were filming it, and he slapped me so hard in the face that I just, it hurt so bad that I just screamed out, uh, you know, the F word. F! You know? And um, it was so loud that they, they couldn't edit it. I had, I had to do it again. And I was like, please, can't you just edit out the swearing? They're like, no, we can't. You said it too close to getting slapped. We can't edit it out. So I had to take it again, and the second time was even worse. It was like the worst slap ever. And that happened in Boston, too. And I saw CN like, this is the place where the slap happened. So the slap happened. The dueling promos, the dueling catchphrase promo happened. Lots of great stuff happening in Boston at the TD Garden Center. Uh, the first highlight reel ever against Goldberg was there. And then the next night, uh, not as much of a loaded card, but the main event of Jericho versus Wade Barrett, my former protege, in a Reading street fight. And, man, we tore that place down. It was a great match. It was cool to get in the ring with Barrett. He was awesome. Street fights are always fun. I'm feeling the, feeling it a little bit today, but the, the crowd left happy. I left happy. Barrett went through a table, which is always great. The table pop. We want tables or chant the whole match. And if you saw the match, you know the genius effort that was put into it, the story that we told. And if you weren't there, hopefully we'll get a chance to do it for you again uh, on one of these other dates on the YTJ Summer Tour. So thank you guys who came this weekend, and thank you for, uh, for uh, uh, getting ready to hear some Scott Bayo. He's on the line. All right, there are some seriously talented luchadors in AEW, and not all of them speak English, which can make putting together matches a little challenging sometimes. That's why I signed up for Rosetta Stone. I'm learning Spanish, amigos. Hey, amigas, see, already learning. Haha, Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program. You don't even have to learn Spanish, though, because Rosetta Stone has 25 languages, including French, German, Korean, Arabic, and Polish and Japanese. That's what I'm going to do next. I spent a lot of time in Japan, and I still work with a lot of Japanese wrestlers at AEW, like Takeshita. So having a better handle on the language will definitely show in the ring. Communication is key. And learning Spanish on Rosetta Stone has been so fun and easy. They've got this true accent feature that gives you feedback on how well you're pronouncing words, sort of like having a personal trainer for your accent. I'm using the app, but you can also do the lessons on desktop or laptop. I also like that I can download the lessons and do them offline, which is perfect for a plane. I can sit there on a flight and work on my Espanol. So don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Talk is Jericho listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash Jericho. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash Jericho today. That's rosettastone.com slash Jericho. Do it today. Bring on the fun bags. All right, on the line right now, Scott Bayo is with me. <laughs> How you doing, man? 
I'm doing okay. You know, here's, here's a funny story that I want to, I want to set the tone with this. So I've um, been friends with, with Eli Roth for like about 10 years. And the first time I went to his house, we had all these bonding experiences. He was playing like this Italian horror movie that we both loved. And he had like some Iron Maiden stuff going on. And in the back of his room, he had a poster of Zapped. You know it, right? You know Eli, right? Uh, I've met him, yeah. I okay. I'm sure he told you. And we were like, dude, you like Zapped? Yeah, I like Zapped. I love Zapped. So one of the best, most underrated movies of all time, I just have to say. Well, it. you're being a little too kind. I don't think it's the best <laughs> underrated movie ever. It's It was a good teen sexploitation film. Um, but, you know, um, first of all, are you Canadian? Yes, I could you tell? Yeah, I did. <laughs> are you from um, New York? Um, yes, I am. <laughs> there you go. We're good at um, accents. Uh, I, I, I get a... Um, Oh, excuse me. I get a I got a phone my phone call from my agent. This is an Eli Roth story. Right. Phone call from my agent. I don't know if you, if you know this story from him. No. He, um, uh, saying that somebody is screening, wants to screen Zapped at a theater in Hollywood. Mm -hmm. And I go, okay. They said they want you to go. I'm like, no. I don't <laughs> want to go. He, my agent says it's Eli Roth, and I go, the director. He says, yeah. I go, what? So anyway, long story short, I I um. I go, okay. It was, by the way, it was the first, first movie my daughter ever saw. I think she was like a year old, less. <laughs> and uh, um, so I go to the theater, and Eli comes running out. And, and the theater's packed, and he does this. He rents out a theater, and he's showing Zapped. Mm -hmm. So he, he comes running out, and he's so nervous. And I'm like, what, dude, what's up? He's, no, no, you don't, no, you don't get it. I, I, I'm such a huge, my brother and I, we watch this movie a hundred times. We know all the dialogue. And I'm thinking... All right, I got to get out of here. This guy's weird. <laughs> so we go in the we go in the in the in the theater, and he's sitting right behind me. Mm -hmm. And I'm, the movie starts playing, and I hear somebody whispering all the dialogue. <laughs> and I turn around, and it's him. <laughs> and now this, the music, the, the, the songs start coming. And he starts singing the songs, <laughs> and I'm going, "This is the, the craziest thing I've ever been involved in." That now they, they now they want to do a Q and A. Right. So. He and I are in the front, and, you know, people are raising their hands. They're going, uh, Scott, what was it like when you had to do something? Eli goes, no, no, you have to understand something. In that scene, they had, I said, and he did it like ten times. Where I said, Eli, I made the movie. You know nothing about the making of the movie. <laughs> Can I answer it? He goes, oh, no, I'm sorry. I'm just so excited. Anyway, it was awesome. And he was, he was actually very cool and very, very gracious. And his, his whole family was there. Well, the funny thing is, when I said one of the most underrated, I mean, for that era of movies, like for me, I, it is up there with like a Fast Times or Ridgemont High or oh, Porky's wow. or something like that. Well, but that but nice? people don't talk about it that much. But here's the funny thing about, about Eli. I, I watched it the other night because I knew we'd be talking. I was like, I haven't seen Zapped in a few years. I want to you know check it out again. And I just happened to text Eli. I'm watching Zapped, and dude, he sent me, he goes, I'm blowing up your email. He sent me like six songs from the soundtrack, like, <laughs> like you said. He goes, <laughs> talking about how he tried to get some of the songs for one of his movies and this, that, and the other thing. But, I mean, it, it does hold up really well. And was that your first, your first movie, your first actual? Uh, no, no. Uh, I did, uh, oh, God, I did a movie called Bugsy Malone when I was very young. That's when you were a kid, right? And yeah. Then I, yeah, then I did a movie called uh, Foxes. Okay, Jodie Foster, uh, right? And then I did a, yeah, and then I did a real piece of crap called <laughs> Skate Town USA, <laughs> which might have, well, that might have been, you don't even know. No, that was early, yeah. And then, then and I think, uh, and then Zapped, but Zapped was, I'll tell you what, you know, you said that not a lot of people talk about it. I get more 
people coming up to me about that movie. Really? Than, than almost anything else. Yeah, it's incredible. So I, I, that movie was a ball to make. We shot all over the valley here and all over L.A. And it was and it was uh, it was fun. It was just mm-hmm. fun. You notice that there's a lot of similarities between that and Carrie. Well, he showed that was the double bill he showed the night that he invited me. Oh, Eli did that and Carrie. Yeah, <laughs> of course. He's not going to let that go. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 more of like the comedic version, you know. That right. It ends up in the with the crazy meltdown in the high school gym, and with right. all you know that you have your special powers that you still have at the end. Right. <laughs> no, but I mean that was uh, that's what I was, was kind of making a, a, in my opinion, a, a very iconic guy because you have been working straight since you mentioned Bugsy all the way up until now. Your your longevity in this business is is off the charts. You know, almost thirty five years or whatever it's been um how do you how do you keep staying in the scene and keep keep doing all the stuff that you've been doing like for, for an actor that's very rare to have that type of staying power i don't know <laughs> uh, i i don't i i don't i my god has been good to me mm. I'm, I'm lucky uh, I, I don't know. I, I've been lucky. I, mm. you know, I think, you know, I, I've never really done things that, um, were considered uh, a critical, you know, uh, critically acclaimed shows, but they're all shows that people liked watching. Right. Um, so I, I don't, I, I, Chris, I don't know. I, I've just been blessed, and 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 uh, you know, I, I still lay in bed at night, and I and I, I look at my life. Sometimes I go, wow, you know, I'm, mm-hmm. I, I some of the, and and I, you know, you said thirty five years, and you know, I, I was talking to a friend of mine the other day. We were smoking a cigar, and we were just talking about blah, blah, blah. And, and, I, and I stopped, and I said, do you realize that I've been on television for five decades? Hmm. 70s, 80s, 90s, the 2000s, and the 2010s? Hmm. And I went, oh, my God. You know, you, don't, you, you, you live your life, and you don't think about things like that. You just go about your day. And then once in a while, you sort of reflect on it, and it's like, oh, my God, that's pretty pretty cool and and again to answer your question i i i i think maybe i'm easy to work with um i i i have i like to play when i work and have a good time yeah. Maybe, maybe that's sort of, you know, people talk about it in the business. Yeah, he's fun to work with. I, what the, I, I, what do I know? I don't know. You know what I was thinking, though? It, it just kind of hit me as we were talking because I'm not sure. I think we're probably in the same age group. I'm 44. You're probably maybe a couple years older than that. But, um, I'm a lot older than you. <laughs> okay. Well, for me, it seems like I kind of grew up watching you, and maybe that's one of the reasons people, people feel a connection with you because, okay, you started off and you do Happy Days, and then as we grow older then it's Charles in Charge and then you do you know Diagnosis Murder I remember and then you know I remember when you did Scott Baio's 45 and, and Single whatever it may be it's, it's kind of like you grew up with with America you know what I mean? Yeah, I, 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 that's a good answer. A good, a good, uh, <laughs> good. No, it's a good thought. I mean, I, I just don't know. I mean, I, I just did this. Um, I did the series See Dad Run on on Nick yeah. at Night, and what what was what amazed me about that was uh, I would go to my daughter's school to pick her up, and these kids would recognize me from that show, mm-hmm. and I was like, whoa. 
Right. That is, that is just that's that you know just just like blew my mind, and I because you don't think about stuff like that, and so maybe you're right. I mean that that's as good an explanation as any. I, maybe people are familiar with me. I don't know. Because we're, we're, you know you're talking about in the '70s, like you're one of the biggest, most recognizable stars uh, in America, maybe even in the world. Well, that's being way too kind, but thank you. <laughs> Once again, I'm a, the, 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 to me, it seemed that way because you're everywhere, you know, cover of Teen Beat and all over the place. And I mean, how is that for a kid at 15 years old, 16 years old? And you're obviously I can tell from talking to you for five minutes that you're a pretty down to earth guy. And that's your reputation. Like you said, you're very fun to be with on the set and you have a good reputation through the people that, that we mutually know. Was it hard at times, though, to, to have that much success so young in your life? First of all, there's a lot of things in life that I didn't get to do that mm. I often wonder about, like school dances and proms mm. and things like that. There's a lot of sacrifices, there's a lot of things that I gave up, which were, you know, the, all the good, the, the good certainly outweighs all, you know, giving up all that stuff. Right. Um, but sure, there was things. I'll, I'll, I'll answer this question in the only way that I can, uh, Chris. I don't, I, I, I don't know because. There were rough things that I went through. There were problems that I had, I guess, and everybody has problems. Um, but I don't know what else to relate it to. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, the cover of Team Beat seemed, it was just me. Mm. I didn't, and I didn't really think about, wow, I wonder what other kids are like. And so I was just kind of doing it. And then all mm. of a sudden you wake up one day and you're 30 years old mm. and you go, uh, you know, how did I get here? And then you wake up and you're 50 and you go, well, how did I get here? Mm -hmm. So I wish I had some, listen, there was, there was so many things that happened during all that, that I could bore you to death with all the stories of my life. Mm -hmm. I just l was living. So it was, yeah. I, I'm sure, how about this? It was tough for my family. Uh, my, my father uh, uh, sacrificed so much and so did my mom and my brother and sister. Mm -hmm. um, and we came to California many, many years ago in the mid-70s, and even doing Bugsy Malone, I did that movie in England. Hmm. And my, my mother had to travel with me, and, and we'd never been separated as a family, and I was you know, 12, 13 years old, and, or whatever I was, 14, I can't remember. And so I broke up the family a little bit that way. I mean, it was very, very upsetting for an Italian-American, very right. close-knit family. And then to come to California, and that was very um, uh, traumatic for everybody. But, and I'd like to think that, that my family, and they are, they love it out in California now, although the, the uh, California uh, uh, government is a little... <laughs> a little goofy, right? But um, but so there was that kind of stuff that was tough. Uh, but the other stuff, listen, you go on stage and there's ten thousand girls screaming at you. It's not a bad thing. <laughs> you know, you you made a great point though when you said like this is just how it was for you. You grew up that way, and you know, like that's just what you knew. I remember when, when I was a kid, my dad used to play for the New York Rangers. Really? Yeah, yeah. He played from seventy to seventy five. Oh my God, yeah. Jericho! At Irvin, his name was Ted Irvin. Wait a no no no. Yeah, yeah. I, I was a big, I was a big Ranger fan when I was a kid. Irvin, what did he play? What position? He was left wing. So he. But wait, did he play with uh, Gilbert and? Uh, Absolutely, and the, Brad the, Park. The early seventies Rangers: Brad Park, Rod Gilbert, oh Vic Hadfield, Eddie, Eddie Jackman. That's exactly Holy right. Crap, that is awesome. See, so there you go. So this is what people would say. What you just said to me, but to me it was just my dad. I didn't know any different. You know, your dad's a Ranger, isn't that great? It's like, well, to me, I guess. 
to me, he's just my dad. But you can see as you grow up that way, everybody around me thought this was the coolest thing ever. But for me, it was just another day in the life. You right, know? right. So, so you grew up as a big Ranger fan? I was a huge Ranger. We used to play street hockey when I was a kid. And, uh, you know, I met a, <laughs> my brother. My brother and I had an, an Eddie Jockerman goalie mask in our room, and he, he would shoot pucks at my face. <laughs> um, oh, wait, look at this. I just, I just got an e, a text message from a friend of mine. He says, uh, hey, I just watched Zapped. <laughs> no way. I swear to God. It just, it just came up. My Anyway. Uh, Did you just do that with your Zap powers? Yes. <laughs> Did you make that happen? Yeah. But, um, anyway, yeah, I was I was a, a, a big a big hockey fan. So, so okay, so you're growing up as just a, a normal kid. You love hockey. Growing up in New York, you mentioned that you had to go to England for the for the Bugsy thing. Was this like? Did somebody call you, or were you acting, or did you go to a casting call? Or how did you get this big break? Um, I was kind of doing commercials, and I really didn't like okay. it very much. I hated going into. I had an agent. Mm-hmm all that business and I went to read for Alan Parker and he cast me in the movie out of like was it like it was a big uh, cast I'm sure movie? there was thousands of kids wow. I'm sure yeah I, I, I mean it was it was a kid movie so hmm. every in the city was probably reading <laughs> right exactly exactly so I mean since you've been doing this for so long you know all aspects of the business, right? You know the acting side of it, and then you know behind the scenes. I know you've done a lot of directing, um, all that sort of thing as well. How did you, did you were you learning when you were a kid watching all this stuff, or was it just kind of more of something that was just kind of um, you're just a product of your environment, or did you take an, uh, an interest in kind of behind the scenes as well as being in front? I did not take any interest at all. <laughs> I, I didn't, and and uh, and I just I guess through kind of just being around it in osmosis, I just. Why, just just being there, mm-hmm. you know. I got to work with uh, a man named Jerry Paris, who's who's not with us anymore. He died a long time ago. Who was probably the best director I ever worked with, and I and Gary Marshall. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, so many things you learn from those guys just by being there. You know what I mean? Right. Well, hold on a second. What, baby? Okay, don't look at it, sweetheart. <laughs> um, she's uh, anyway, but but there there are so many so many you know Ron Howard, Henry Winkler, Tom Bosley, man, mm. these are all pros, and I'm standing there with these people, and you, you just just by being there, Chris, you 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 you, you learn. Well, and just what you just said, those names, I mean, Gary Marshall, obviously, he, he's, you know, for people that might not know, is the creator of Happy Days and, and one of the major directors. You mentioned Henry Winkler and Ron Howard Tom, and Tom Bosick. Yeah, those are like some show business pros that have been doing it for years and years and years. So I can imagine all you have to do is just kind of keep your stick on the ice and uh, pay attention. You're going to score a couple goals here and there with those guys. Exactly right. And, and that's what happens. And uh, I was lucky, lucky enough to I, – I never – Never was interested, intrigued by, never um, was even thought about drugs in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was never. I never got into all that. I had my. I had my father, uh, God rest his soul, who who watched out for my money, um, and my and my well being. Mm-hmm. And so I was in. And I had Gary Marshall, and working on the on the, the Happy Day set, which was a which was a, a an amazing experience. I mean, it was uh, everybody was very helpful and nice and fun and told stories and laughed and goofed it up and that was what I grew up in. Hmm. You know, so it was it was incredibly beneficial to me. It was just kind of second nature for you to be around those guys exactly. Was it kind of like a 
was it a second family type environment? Like, obviously, you're young. You're probably having to do your homework on the set and all that sort of thing. And you mentioned that your father was kind of there. Was was when you're a child actor? Like I've never done this before. Do you have do you do your takes and then you have to go over and do some homework for a couple of hours or something along those lines? How does how does that work? Yeah, just like uh, that. You you have to do uh, three hours a day. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it is now. This is you know a million years ago. <laughs> Uh, but you know, doing a sitcom is a little bit of a different schedule than doing uh, doing a take every now and then and going back to school. But you'd have to go in the morning and then they get you in for rehearsal and you rehearse and you go back to school and then rehearse more and then back to school and and that was it. So it's pretty hectic for a young guy, like you said, that you had to kind of give up the school dances and all that sort of thing as a result. Yeah, you give up some stuff, but and and is it hectic? Uh, I don't know if it's hectic. hectic. The thing is, you really, you really, and, and the schooling was pretty good, but you, but you don't want to go because you want to hang with the grown-ups, you know? Mm-hmm, you don't right, want to yeah. go, oh, come on, am I done? Am I done? Am I done? I, uh, I want to go back on the set, but you got to do what you got to do. Because right, right, how old were you then, about 16, 15? No, uh, I was probably, I did happy days. I was, I think, uh, 15 to 23, 16 to 23, somewhere in there. So, yeah, so you're growing up with, like, you know, let's say almost like big brother figures. I'm sure a guy like Henry Winkler or whatever. Is that somebody that you still have a relationship with him as a result? People ask me that a lot. And the only way to answer that question is when you do a TV show, it's like living in Queens. Uh, and then <laughs> you, the show ends and you move from Queens to right. Flatbush. And you say you're going to keep in touch, and you kind of do, and then you do another show, and you make new friends, and you kind of keep in touch with the old friends, but then your new friends become more part of your life, and you hang with them, and you sort of lose track of the other people. But every time you see them, it's a hug and a kiss, and oh my God, how are you, and blah, blah, blah. But you don't really, eh, you keep in touch to a certain degree, but not where... Not where it's like that's a, friends. a great point. What you just said right there, because I think people, especially when they when they if, if they say for example like their favorite band or for you know, I love this band. They think that you know the the, the whole band is hanging out twenty four seven and they're just the best of friends. And sometimes it's not like that way. Same thing with a cast, whatever it may be. I think people expect that it's like you guys were on this show, whatever show it may be, and you're friends for life and still hanging out. That's a great point. It's like you move to the next city and you still keep in touch with some of the guys, but people have a different kind of fantasy about about people, uh, characters that they grow up watching. Yeah, I mean, th- yeah, think about you're a ranger one year, and next year you're a king. Yeah. And then what do you do? So you you know you miss all those guys, but you make meet new guys and you hang out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Another thing you said earlier too is you're talking about your dad about how he kind of shielded you, helped you with your money, and you never really got into drugs. Because as a as a you know basically a, a guy, a young adult actor, kind of a child actor, or whatever. A lot of a lot of kids when they grow up, they do kind of go that route. Is it the old story of too much too soon for for some people, or, or bad uh, no good parenting uh, influences or? It's it's a lot of things. It's parents. It's uh, environment. It's where if you, if I, I think if you're I don't want to say weak. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if you're just susceptible to doing that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, I was always a, a very athletic, mm-hmm. uh, and um, I just never thought saw the reason for harming my body. If I was blessed with a good body, hmm. a healthy body, um, but I but I. I 
Listen, I I can I, I understand it. I think it's completely wrong. You you want you want to go out, you want to hang out, and you want to be a grown up, and you start making some money. You want to buy the nice car, you want to buy the house. You think it's never going to end, but right. it does. It ends for everybody except for Clint Eastwood. You know, <laughs> it, it ends. It ends for I, I, my my. I've, and I've seen it more than more than certainly more than ten times. Guy gets a series or a girl gets a series. The first thing they do is go buy a house at the beach, hmm. and the series gets canceled and they lose the house. They lose their money. And I'm like, what are you? You know, what are you doing? It's so stupid. Just wait. Wait till you get rich enough or till you, you know, invest it. Do something smart with it. But it's so easy to get sucked, it, it sucked into somebody's driving a, a Benz. Mm-hmm. Well, then you want one. Right. But if you don't have a, somebody looking out for you saying, listen, dude, you, you, you don't, you're not there yet. Just take it easy. Especially in the world of acting because you never know when your next job is coming, really. Exactly right. Exactly right. The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. All right, getting back to Scott Bale. When Happy Days and Joni Loves Chachi ended, did you get another gig right away? Let me tell you how lucky I am. <laughs> so I've, right, right, the last year of Happy Days, I get a phone call to do a pilot called Charles in Charge. Wow. And I do that for six years. And then before that ends, I get um, uh, a phone call to do a show called Baby Talk. So I do that. You probably don't remember because only it only went a year, it only went a year. Wasn't it based on Look Who's Talking? Yeah, right. And uh, I did that for I don't even remember anymore a year or two. Mm-hmm. So then after that, I I was offered Diagnosis Murder. Wow. Um, and then after Diagnosis Murder, I just I didn't want to I didn't know what I was going to do, so I started directing and I started directing a lot of stuff. Hmm. Because I, I just felt I just was, I had been kind of doing it in between shows, in between you know weeks off here and there, and I really liked it. You know, we get hiatuses; you get, you get a week off every couple of weeks. Hmm. Um, and I would direct something, and then I started really liking it, and then I started di- only directing for about four years, three or four years, and I found that to be kind of fun. I didn't want to get back on television, and then uh, and then after and then I stopped stopped directing because I stopped enjoying it and that's a very long and boring story <laughs> why um, and then I just did nothing I did a couple of independent films and I just I, I, I just didn't do anything and, I, and it was weird for about six months and then I started enjoying doing nothing hmm. and then Hervey calls me Jason Hervey calls me in like 2000 and, Jesus, six or seven, I can't remember. Sometime around then. Yeah, so I take it a couple of years off, and he calls me to do some quasi-reality show, and, and I went, I don't even know what the hell you're talking about. We, <laughs> sat, we sat down, you know Harvey, obviously. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, and he's one of, he's, he's one of my, he's, that guy, he's a good, good guy, he's a good friend of mine, I love him. 
and he he pitched me this idea uh, about Scott Bayo was forty five and single, and and we started talking about it, and I said, you know what? I said I don't want to do a reality show. I want to do something that's a story mm-hmm. that you think is real, but it's kind of not. So that's how we developed that show, and then we did the next one, forty six and pregnant. Right, because 45 and single was you were looking for a girlfriend or looking for a I was, wife. Uh, no, I was trying to find out why I'd never been married. Oh, okay, gotcha. And then I met, and then I had, I, I don't want to, it, it was, <laughs> that, that whole show was scripted out. Gotcha. The whole thing between Jason and I. So uh, then, then that went, that went down and then, um, and then that was in 2009. And then again, I just, I didn't, I didn't want to do anything. And I just was like, uh, we did we did Confessions of a Teen Idol that I hosted mm-hmm. and we both produced. And then I did nothing for a year or two. And then he calls me out of the blue with a he, not out of the blue. He just calls me and he says, "Hey, would you read a script for me?" And I said, "No." And he said, "Why not?" I said, "I'm because I don't really want to do anything. I don't want to. I, I'm done. I just don't want to do anything anymore. I'm, mm-hmm. I, I'm, I don't want to do. I don't want to fight the battles." And he says, "Oh, come on, read it." I said, "Do you like it?" He said, yeah. I said, then do what you got to do. And he sells the damn thing. Mm-hmm. And now I got to go back to work. <laughs> yeah, right. So we did that for three years. And I just ended that in May. That was See Dad Run, which was great, which was so much fun. And the premise of that story was that that show was a guy who used to be an actor that now stays at home with his kids. Right. Which is basically what you're doing. Right. <laughs> so it was pretty easy. <laughs> Method acting. Exactly right. You know, you mentioned earlier. Um, I was going to ask you when you said that you know, back when you were, you know, in the seventies or whatever, when you would go on stage, there'd be ten thousand screaming girls. Was there a lot? Like, were, were, were girls like? Did they try and climb in your to your window, or was there some like crazy girls trying to get a hold of you? Like, how was that mania for you when you would go out on the street, for example? It's it's oh, it was it was very. Don't, don't forget, this was before Twitter and all that other right. crap. So it was, you know, if they were, paparazzi had to see you. Mm-hmm. They didn't get Twittered or whatever that they texted or whatever they do now. Yeah, it was exhilarating, man. It was it was awesome. Uh, you get a big head, and uh, you think your poop doesn't stink and all that kind of stuff, <laughs> and then you get slapped around a little bit by your old man verbally. And, <laughs> what would he say to you? And, and Gary Marshall and and my dad sat me down. And straightened me out. I was uh, not taking my my gig seriously, and my role started getting smaller and smaller. And, oh, really? Yeah, because I wasn't performing. And then um, one of the executive producers wanted to fire me. Really? Yeah. And Gary said, and Gary told me this. He said, "No, give him a chance. Let him go through it. Let him go through it." And the guy said, "Okay." And Gary got to my old man. And they sat me down and said, what are you doing? And I said, what do you mean, what am I doing? And you, you, your dad's alive? Yes. Is he, he's alive? Yes. So he's a hockey player, so he's a pretty tough guy. Right. Right? So yes. my dad was, was a tough tying guy from Brooklyn. And he gave you that, and when your old man gives you that look, <laughs> you know, you get a little scared. And I said, what are you talking about? And my father said, do you understand the opportunity you have? Do you, do you understand? And I went, yeah. He said, no, no. Do you understand it? And I said, I don't know what you mean, Dad. He says, Do you know how many people killed for what you have? Do you get it? And he really went into me. Mm-hmm. And and I looked over Gary for for some help. 
know, <laughs> like it's going to be okay. Don't worry about it. And he didn't say anything. And my old man said, uh, okay. Do you, and I said, you know what, Dad? I, I, I do. And the next day, my attitude changed. So when you say that one of the producers wanted to fire you, were you just not giving good performances, or did you become an issue on the set, or you weren't learning your lines, or what was going on with that? I, I just wasn't performing. Hmm. You know, I, I would I could goof around like with anybody, but I wasn't performing, and, and I was just walking it, and you can't do that. Gotcha. But that would have been a huge deal if you would have got fired for sure. Yeah, I'd have been back in you know delivering Coca Cola from a from a truck in Brooklyn. <laughs> wow. So so um, tell tell us a couple of the stories of like we're, like because teenage girls are crazy. Especially when they see, I mean, you see it now with One Direction. I mean, they're trying to, you know, they're, they're pushing over cars, trying to get in the way, knocking people over. Did you see any chaos like that? Oh, yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, um, I would, uh, I would, go, I remember going to a car, you know, they, they have car shows, right? Like in, yeah. in, in convention centers in the wintertime in the Midwest, it gives people something to do, and then they, and, and they would have a celebrity show up and sign autographs, and I would go. And I went to, uh, I was in Chicago, mm. and um, they had a stage built, you know, like in the middle of, uh, in the middle of the, the cars. Yeah, exactly. They'd be show off, like, here's I, a 67 Chevy, and yeah, here's the yeah, stage yeah. with Scott Baio. Yeah, yeah, right, exactly. And I walked in the, the arena, and there was, I don't know, 20,000 people? Mm-hmm. There's, and I and I went oh to God. see you and they and they they rushed the stage and flipped the whole stage up and over. Me and my dad went flying. <laughs> wow! <laughs> I saw a girl one time. I was in I was in Toronto. Oh what God, Toronto? No, I was in I was in Detroit. Uh-huh. And um, I was I had to get to the stage, and they had twenty Detroit cops mm-hmm. escorting me onto the stage, and I saw a girl punch and knock out a cop and I, <laughs> to try to get to me now that's a pretty you know it's a pretty amazing thing and it and it's a kind of a pretty cool thing <laughs> yeah. it goes to your head a little bit and i was like whoa this is this is heavy duty and and then and you know, people trying to grab your clothes and all that kind of sure. stuff and rip them and all that and i tell you what man it was an amazing experience, and the people were—they—they they were great, and it was other world stuff. I didn't even know it was. You, mm-hmm. you, you look back on it, you go, "Was that me? <laughs> I really go doing that?" And it's—it's it's incredible, and I keep saying it, man. I—I am—I am so damn lucky to have lived the life that I—that I've lived. Were you, um, I just thought of this too, you did Zapped with Willie Ames, you guys did Charles and Charles together. Did you find kind of a kindred spirit? Because he was another kind of a teen heartthrob at that time. Willie came in, uh, I mean, Zapped was first. He auditioned for Zapped. Mm-hmm. And he was just funny. And mm-hmm. we did the movie, we had a really good time, and then Charles and Charles came up. And Charles and Charles was made, Zapped was in 81, mm-hmm. Charles and Charles was 83, 84. So a couple of years had gone by, and we were casting for Zapped and throwing names around and throwing names around, and somebody threw out Willie's name. And I went, you know, he's pretty damn funny. <laughs> and he came in, and we just sat down and talked, and we cast him. And it was, he, was, he, he, was, he was fun to be. He, Willie's a funny guy. You know, you know, you see him on those reality shows, and he looks like he's, he's a little crazy, but that was a bit of an act. Because <laughs> right. I've, I've seen him after all that. Uh-huh. 
but that yeah, we we got along great. We really we had a great time with Charles in charge. A great time. Well, because there's only so many people that can understand what you went through. Like you said, girls flipping over stage and knocking out cops. I mean, there's only a few people on the planet that can you know empathize with that. So I'm sure you guys had a little bit of a connection just from that too. We used to go on the road together. How about that? How do you mean? He. <laughs> It's so ridiculous. It's so absurd. We would go to theme parks or around the country, and he had a band, and I would go on stage. He would go on the band and sing live. Uh I would go on, and he'd do like 20 minutes, and I would go on and sing two songs that were playback. (laughs) And I would lip sync it. And and Lou Ferrigno would come on stage and interview <laughs> and Todd Bridges. I mean, it was it was called the Hollywood Teen Show, and we'd have like fifteen thousand people show up. It was incredible so to, we'll, <laughs> to watch you lip sync. To watch me lip sync and to watch Lou Ferrigno lift weights. <laughs> I, I tell you, you know, I, I swear to God, you think about the things you've done in your life, you go, <laughs> really. <laughs> Well, that was kind of the thing in the 70s, though. Like every, you know, teenage heartthrob had an album. I had two. You had two albums. I was going to ask you, of course you did. I was was horrible. I was horrible. (laughs) And I I had, you know, Michael Lloyd was a producer who produced like Sean Cassidy. He's the best guy in the world. And even he couldn't make me sound good. I mean, it was just ridiculous. (laughs) So what would they do? Would they give you a bunch of songs or would they they cover songs or standards or... some were covers, some were just writ- written, written, and I would listen to them and see if I liked them or not, and then I'd go, go and record them at, at, uh, at this re- record producer's house, which was, which was so much fun, man. Yeah. And, then, and then to go on stage and sing in front of 15,000 people, I swear to God, you think you're one of the Beatles. <laughs> it, is, uh, it is the greatest feeling ever. <laughs> I, listen, and by the way, after that, you understand, or I understood, rock stardom. There is nothing. I wasn't one, but mm-hmm. that 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 immediate connection, that immediate that you know. I, I went to who did I go see recently? Oh crap! I can't remember. Oh god! I went to go see somebody. I don't mm-hmm. remember. This is horrible. <laughs> I went to see a. a, a, a oh, oh, anyway, and you sit there and and you watch these people perform, and I under, I understand their perspective. Mm. So I, so and there there ain't nothing like a rock star, man. Nothing. Well, and that's something too. I mean, you you do a lot of TV or shooting, but when you get that that live audience at a you know at a at a, at a, at a rock show, the instant gratification, the electricity. Although I guess you kind of do that if you if you tape in front of a live studio audience, but it's no, we different. We do that. We did live studio audience. Okay, so, so yeah, so you're getting that kind of instant gratification, that instant reaction. You definitely get that when you're performing. You know, doing doing the rock shows too. That, that's it's like a drug. Yeah, it's times a million though. Right. Yeah, because it's a bigger crowd. Here's another thing I have to ask you about, about Battle of the Network Stars. It's a classic 70s thing. I actually know the guy who created Battle of the Network Stars. His name is Vin DeBona. He's, he's a friend of mine, and I always talk to him about Vin that. Vin DeBona created it? He did. How crazy is that? The America's Funniest Videos? Yes. I didn't even, I know, okay, go ahead. Yeah, do you know Vin, or do you know about that? I know Bill Garnett, who ran the shows. Okay, so Vin was one of the creators of that show. And I remember watching that. I think it was like every Saturday night. And it's something like it's so, uh, I don't even know if you could do something like that nowadays, but you'd have all the biggest stars 
from from I think it was ABC or whatever whatever network it was. Three networks, ABC, all three CBS networks. Yeah, ABC, CBS, and NBC competed against each other. How how was that? Was that a real thing? Oh yeah, oh yeah, that was serious. It was no, there was no, there was no, uh, there was no uh, ducking it. Wow! And if you ducked it, we would try to get rid of you. It was, it was. We wanted to kick their ass. So let's explain this. So you'd have all the guys from each. And now, the first of all, how crazy is that, Scott? To think about all three networks working together in a real athletic competition. Yeah. Do you remember what uh, events that you had to do? Yeah, uh, swimming, running, uh, relay race, bicycle race, obstacle course. Um, I mean, that is insane. Football. Uh, then there was some fun stuff. Uh, but it was serious. It was dead serious. Imagine just trying to get insurance for that alone. I don't think it was life threat. People twisted ankles and hurt themselves, but I don't think, I don't think insurance was a problem. So were you, were you with ABC or were you CBS? I was with both, CBS and ABC. Was Happy Days an ABC show, though, right? Yes. Okay. So did you guys win? I think I did it six times. I think I won it. We won it maybe two or three. I don't remember anymore. It's so long ago. Would, it, I, would, it, would you film it over the course of a weekend? A weekend or? up at Pepperdine University, yeah. Man, that's... Out, out by the beach. That, that still blows my mind, just the whole concept of it. Like, it like, was a great idea. Yeah, but I just can't believe the three networks working together. What do you mean, what, what do you mean working together? They, we, we competed against each other. I understand that, but what I'm saying is that, okay, if the show was on... It's, if it's ABC's Battle of the Network Stars, you're having stars from the NBC network and the CBS oh. network and the ABC network all on the same show. Yeah. Well, here's where it's a win-win for everybody because that show was a huge hit. So ABC, everybody got to watch it. And then the other networks got to promote their stars on somebody else's network. Gotcha. Gotcha. But still, you know how show business is, right? Yeah, I do. The, I the, do. the fact that they would actually even go along with that because, because I remember even Howard Cosell commentated it. He did it. And I, and I, I hosted it with him once. Oh, really? And I loved Howard. I mean, I became very friendly with him. Especially as a big sports fan, it must have been kind of cool to have him say your name in an athletic competition. Yeah, and he, and he liked me very much because I was very good. I, was, I, I think I held the record in the obstacle course. I mean, I was really good. <laughs> you know, so he, he, he and I were both Sinatra fans, so that's how we kind of connected. Ah. And, he, and he's a big New Yorker, and I'm from Brooklyn, and, he, and we, we'd sit in the trailer and shoot the breeze. And I love the guy. Yeah, like you said, there's a certain thing. I remember like, uh, when Michael Buffer announced one of my matches once. It's like Michael Buffer, you know, just hearing that, let's get ready to rumble how yeah. he does it. It's like, oh, that's, that's he saying it about me. Yeah. Um, there's a, there's, you mentioned earlier about doing an indie movie. There's a movie I want to ask you about, which I know, Very Mean Men. So um, Very Mean Men, I mean, that's a very underrated movie and probably one of the best performances of your career, in my opinion. Thank you. It's, it's underrated because no one's ever seen it. And it's because the man that owns it, I don't know what he's, he won't release it. So it was made and just basically put on the shelf. You know, man, I don't know what he's doing with it, and I gave up a long time ago. It was a great little independent movie. My brother found the script and produced it and put it together, and we made this movie, and it was... Uh, did you see it? Well, I mean, I've heard, I've read all about it. I've never read, but I've, I've read it the whole... It won all kinds of festival awards. Yeah, that's what I mean, it, yeah. It was just a good, funny, it was comedic movie but a, but again kind of a gangster movie mm. and um just one of those one of the road in the roadkill of life that was one of the, 
That was one of the things that just got road killed. I'm sure it's kind of frustrating for you, though, in that in that in that aspect. Very. Yeah. Very, because the movie would the movie would have made a lot of people uh, have big career changes. Directors, actors. Uh, I get to got to work with Martin Landau and Charlie Durning and Matthew Modine, uh, Burt Young, whom I love to death. A lot of great people. It's an amazing cast. At absolutely. Ben Gazzara. Wow. Ben Gazzara was like, forget him, he was awesome. They're a bunch of, great bunch of people. Martin Lando sitting around telling stories. I mean, it doesn't get any better than that. Just that list of, of, of actors alone, it's like, why is this movie not available? Yeah, it's just, it's just crazy, whatever. When you're talking about your whole career, last question, uh, Scott, what, what, uh, what was your, your favorite role that you played? That's a tough question because favorite meaning most fun or most, most the one I enjoyed watching the most. Um, uh, I, t- I did a little independent movie, and this is not to, not to take away from anything else. I did a little independent movie called The Bread My Sweet, mm-hmm. which changed into A Wedding for Bella. And I shot it in Pittsburgh. They did the movie for barely any money. And it was a great little script. And, um, and I went to Pittsburgh for three weeks, and I had the time of my life. Fun movie. It turned out to be a really good movie. And it was just, I met some great people on it. It was, it, you ever been to Pittsburgh? Yeah, of course. It's a cool little town, great little Italian community down there, Italian and Greek. So I immediately connected with it, and it was fun. That was one, that's one that sticks out. Um, See That Run was a great show to do. But I think that little movie was probably... It's more. amazing, too. That's usually the way it is. It's the ones that are kind of a little bit more obscure that stand out as, as the best performances. Yeah. My, my favorite was the best name of all time, best character name, Bob Loblaw. Oh, yeah. I get a lot of action on that, too. <laughs> it, was, it was so great. Bob Loblaw, for all your legal needs, I won't make you uh, bored with other Bob Loblaw. You know, for the first day, I didn't know the name. Uh-huh. I, didn't, I didn't know it was Bob Loblaw <laughs> because I'm a New Yorker. I thought it was Bob Loblaw. <laughs> and somebody said the name, and I went, that's my name? I said, it's hysterical. <laughs> that was fun. Absolutely, man, absolutely. Hey, Scott, I appreciate you talking to me today. It's been great talking to you and, uh, and hanging out for a bit, and, and I know you'll be doing this for another 20 years, so I look forward to what's coming up for you. I hope so. I had a pleasure talking to you, and, 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 and uh, your, your, your dad, just, you just got me, you made my night. That's awesome stuff. I'll, your dad played for the Rangers. Come on. I'll tell him that. In that's the glory incredible. years of the Rangers, too. Yeah. Absolutely. So, listen, it was a pleasure talking to you, and uh, I will, uh, I'll hopefully we'll, we'll sit down one day and have a cigar or something. I'd love to, man. I'd love to. All right, brother. Thanks, dude. Bye. All right, thanks to Scott Bale. Great stories from a, a true show business legend, right? Uh, lots and lots of diversity and a long career. The longevity of Scott Bale uh, is still going to this day, and I thank him for being on Talk is Jericho. And I thank you for, for checking out all my great sponsors, including True Car. All right, what's true car? I'm going to tell you. Everyone's talking about transparency these days. It's a word you hear a lot because people expect it. When making big purchases, like, uh, I don't know, buying a new car, don't you want and expect a transparent buying process, a process that gives you the confidence to know if you're getting a fair deal? To really understand the power of transparency, you need to check out True Car and True Car's mobile app. With True Car, not only can you configure the car you want and how you want it, but you can see what others actually paid for the same car you're looking for. I'm talking about people who live near you in the same zip code, all right? Right around your neighborhood. You know what you can expect to pay for the car you want uh, in the area where you live. That's transparent. Doesn't get much more than transparent than that, right? And here's, here's some more. Once you decide on the car you want, you lock in guaranteed savings, which ends up over 
$3,000 on average off of MSRP, okay? Then you're connected with a trusted TrueCar certified dealer. It's going to honor your savings without negotiation. doesn't get any easier, any more transparent than that. Think of the money you save. Think of the time and hassle you save, not wasting hours and hours at car dealerships, haggling over the price of the car you want. When you're ready for a new transparent car buying experience, check out the True Car app. You save time, save money, save us Y2J, and never overpay. Download the True Car app and do it today. Thanks again to Scott Bayo. Talk about longevity in Hollywood. That guy has it. I think I got some longevity in the WWE after 16 years. It's coming up on, and I'm still rolling hard. The uh, Y2J WWE Summer Tour officially underway, halfway through, midway through. Remember, only live events this summer. No TVs and pay-per-views, although I will be appearing on the Beast in the East WWE Network special, which is July 4th from Tokyo. I'll be working versus Neville. July 3rd in Tokyo versus Finn Balor. I will not be in Singapore because I have to do Tough Enough this week. Episode 2 was on tonight. What did you think about it? Hit me up on the Twitter and let me see uh, your thoughts about the competitors, about the uh, the show itself. It's really, really exciting. It's just starting to kick in. Uh, and, the, and my Y2J Summer Tour is kicking in in Philly, July 10th. Pittsburgh, July 11th. San Diego, July 31st. That means Wales Vagina, I believe. Lots more dates in August as well. I don't think they've been posted yet. Go to WWE.com and look it up. I will be working all summer long. And Fozzie's got a couple dates left to play this summer after some amazing shows in Des Moines and Sioux City, especially. Got my friends in uh, We Are Harlot came and checked us out. Thanks to everybody that came and rocked with us. Great, great crowd in both uh, both cities. And uh, we're looking for another great crowd at The Square on July 24th in Kitchener, Ontario. August 8th, Festival of Friends in Hamilton. August 9th, Heavy Montreal in Montreal. October 30th, we're rocking the Kiss Cruise. And then, of course, we're bringing the Cinderblock Party back to Europe and the UK starting November 14th in Germany. That's with Nonpoint and Sumo Psycho. We're going to swing through Hamburg, Berlin, Cologne, then head over to the UK with Reading, London, Manchester, Birmingham, Newcastle, Sheffield, so many other shows. I want you to go to FozzyRock.com and check out all the information on the gigs. You can buy tickets there. You can buy VIPs. Uh, come and hang with us and come see the greatest rock and roll show in the world today. All right, before we wrap things up, one last big thank you to all of you listening and all of the supporters and sponsors that uh, help this show out, and you guys for checking them out, Nature Box, Arctic Ease, Instant Cold Wraps, True Car, DDP Yoga, and the one that's been with us from the start, Amazon. Remember, you can get anything on Amazon. New Blackville Brides DVD, Alive and Burning. New Tremonti album, Cauterize. You can get the DVD episodes of Happy Days, Arrested Development, Charles in Charge on DVD. Anything you want or need, do it through the Amazon links by Vanilla Ice to the Extreme. He was a great guest on the show a few weeks ago. You can go to the Amazon links and get whatever you want. And here's how you do it. You go to podcastone.com, click on the support or sponsors banner at the top of the page, then hit the Talk is Jericho button. I got links to Amazon UK, Amazon USA, Amazon Canada A. Do your online shopping through my Amazon links. Easiest way to support the show. No extra fees. No hidden shells. You get what you need, and Amazon kicks back a couple bucks to this show to help us cover production costs. So go to podcastone.com, click on Talk is Jericho. You find the Amazon links. You know what to do. All right. Thanks again to Scott Bale for being here this week. And thanks to all of you uh, Friday. We got a big show on Friday. He just had some major surgery. We got Tyson Kidd 
and Natty Neidhart. They're going to be here to talk about all the intricacies and lunacies of the Hart family. It's a great conversation. The dynasty of the Hart family and TJ and Natty know all about it. From Stu to Brett to Ross to Bruce to Owen to everyone in between, we're going to discuss the Hart family this Friday on Talk is Jericho. Stay hard, stay hungry, peace, love, and hugs, and a big yeah boy, eh? You can download new episodes of Talk is Jericho every Wednesday and Friday at podcast1.com. That's podcast1.com. 